Earnings, corporate governance, and growth. Welcome. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're glad you're here. You've got a fast-paced hour. If you're traveling through, maybe hearing our show for the first time, we're glad you're here and glad you're checking it out. Please drive safely and get home just fine. I'm Danny Clayton in the studio. Dr. Brian Jacobson, our chief economist at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome. It's great to be here. we got Dave Spano, president and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to you. Yeah, thanks, Danny. And uh, lots to be thankful for. And one of the things that I'm thankful for is the flexibility that we have in our relationships and the flexibility in the elasticity of my pants because uh, probably ate too much this week, but seriously, lots to be thankful for. And one of those things is that since November, the S&P 500 is up 8.5% and NASDAQ is up 11%. And that does make people thankful. It really does. And when I look at the market, especially since we did have a technical correction. And so in the lingo that we use, a correction is a decline line of 10% or more from peak to trough. And we did go through a correction period with the S&P 500. A lot of that seemed to be triggered by fears around the rising interest rates that we had with the treasury yields, the auctions, as far as when the government auctions off those securities, those were a little miserable. But we've recovered pretty nicely from that. And I think a lot of that has to deal with, we've had some pretty decent economic growth numbers. Inflation seems to be falling. And And uh, even though the Fed has gone on a fast and furious hiking pace, we're in this pause period. And that tends to be a little bit bullish for equities and for bonds. So we'll just spend some time on the economic news. But I think there's also something that's been happening. And that has been this kind of feeling better about the relationship with China. That Mm -hmm. was part of it after President Xi and President Biden got together. And lastly, earnings reports uh, were better than expected. So I think all three of those together. But I do agree with you that the Fed news and the fact that they're in this Powell pause, as you like to say, uh, certainly made the market feel better. It did. And we got some confirmation of that this past week with the minutes from the most recent Federal Reserve meeting. And it was unanimous that they wanted to proceed cautiously, or I think they said proceed carefully instead of cautiously. So we always like to kind of parse the adverbs and adjectives that they use. And if everybody agrees that they should proceed carefully, that does mean that it is likely in this period where they're not going to hike anymore. They could if the data comes into just justify it. But for the most part, if they are done hiking, the key question then becomes how long do they hope that they can hold rates where they are? Right, exactly. And of course, the market reacted to that. And the Fed does watch the market rates and the 10-year Treasury. I always joked, I'm sorry, professor and PhD of economics, that you know it's good to have those designations. And the Fed has lots of them on staff, but they also look at the markets. Mm-hmm. And, and as the 10-year Treasury and the two-year Treasury started to react, they noticed those things. They did. They are very concerned about financial conditions. They wanted financial conditions to tighten. And I think that, you know, you and I, we speak to a lot of clients and we know that financial conditions have tightened. You see higher interest rates. Banks are cutting back as far as with lending, raising their standards. But for the Fed, for some reason, they were still thinking that uh, they haven't tightened enough. It's like, well, what more do you really want? It really took for that 10-year Treasury to jump up towards 5% for the Fed to finally take notice. So I'm at least thankful that they did take notice eventually. And the second thing on economic news is the fact that 
we have been talking about a potential recession, at least we've been hearing about a potential recession for a long time now. And of course, we do understand that it takes negative GDP reports to get there. Again, not only do we have a really good, strong third quarter report, 4.9%, but the fourth quarter report is positive as well. It is. And so the Atlanta Fed and the New York Fed, they both have these GDP trackers where it kind of uses real-time data to give you a read about, or at least a good guess about what GDP might be. And it looks like it's coming in anywhere from like 2 to 2.5% two right now. So with the third quarter, next week uh, we're going to be getting the revisions. So that might actually be revised up to something closer to 5% mm-hmm. growth for the third quarter. Then you ratchet down to 2 to 2.5%. Two That's not bad. It's I mean, still positive. Yeah, it, it's going from great to good, which right. isn't bad at all. And so we're going to look into the beginning of 2024 and try to speculate what's going to happen. But part of the big speculation is that the Fed is going to reverse course and start to lower rates, folks. And that's something that we've been looking forward to for a long time. Not only will the markets react to that, but if you've been looking for a mortgage, rates might start to come down in early 24 as well. So stick around. We're going to talk a lot about that good news is good news. And that means individual companies that we're going to spend some time on in just a minute. That is our Week in Review. You can get that at the top of the hour as a podcast as well. During the rest of the show, you're going to hear how we approach other aspects of retirement planning. It's only a glimpse. Get that whole picture when we begin the conversation about the kind of retirement you desire. That's up to you, though. And I invite you to take that step. It starts at AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Then we'll get going together. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Saturday, November 25th. We're going to be right back on 620 WTMJ. We're back at a quick reminder. We've got a great podcast. The Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast from the Annex Wealth Management Investment Team comes out every Monday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. It's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Also, the Annex Wealth Management year-end tax planning guide is on our website. It's a free download. You can get yours at AnnexWealth.com today. I'm Danny Clayton in the studio, Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management with Dave Spano, President and CEO. Yeah, thanks, Danny. And you Brian, you do do a podcast. I mean, it's not as good as the world acclaimed Raff and the Meatballs, but it's pretty good. And you do uh, you do the SWAT podcast. But, you know, let's talk about some of the strengths that are out there right now, which is, and you started with good news is good news. Yeah. And I really think good news is good news right now because companies that are giving good guidance, especially as it comes to the holiday season here, as far as what to expect with shopping between now and the, the end of the year, those companies that have been giving positive guidance have actually been rewarded. Uh, And I think two key illustrations of that, Dick's Sporting Goods, they reported earnings. Burlington Stores, they reported earnings. And even though the earnings themselves were yesterday's news Mm -hmm. or last quarter's news. It was really about what they said about what they're expecting ahead of us. And that's where their stocks reacted positively. You can contrast that to Best Buy and Kohl's. You know, they were saying about some weakness that they're foreseeing. So it's kind of interesting, this divergence between some winners and some losers. You know, you talk about retail and a lot of times we think about, you know, going into a store like a Dick's or a Burlington or even a Kohl's. Retail does encompass a lot of areas and really retail is also things 
like experiences mm-hmm. and those are stocks that you can watch as well. Well, that's true. Yeah, with a lot of the experiences, some people spent a lot of money since COVID on experiences. There's that big shift from spending on goods to services and especially with those experiences, leisure and hospitality. And now it seems like the pendulum might be starting to swing a little bit the other way. It's a very gradual shift in that momentum though, because some of the early reads that we've had as far as with credit card spending information, it does suggest that people are still willing to pay up for some of these experiences. And of course, if they've been paying up for some of those experiences, that also means that prices have gone up. And I think you dubbed it as something as well. <laughs> yes, that whole funflation thing, right? People are willing to pay to have fun. And, uh, you know, maybe it's a legacy of COVID where people realized, you know, life is kind of short. So it was actually, I think, initially dubbed the YOLO phenomenon. You right. only live once. Right. People are realizing that, well, you know, uh, you can live a lot lot longer than just a few months. And so they do have to be a little bit more prudent. So people are beginning to tighten their belts. Uh, So it is one of those things that people are still much rather spend money on a vacation than buying gifts for the rest of the family. Let's talk about the Magnificent Seven, you know, these these stocks that really have led the way throughout the year, because one of those Magnificent Seven NVIDIA reported as well this past week. They did. And honestly, those numbers were almost like eye-popping as far as just how big they were. It was more than 200% year-on-year growth in their revenues. And maybe it's really no wonder that their stock is up well more than 200% year-to-date. Uh, and that is always a barometer, and that's the reason why we spend so much time on earnings, is it is kind of a forecast of where that stock price can go. It is. Over long periods of time, you know, the fundamentals do matter. And there was was a massive shift in the fundamentals, especially for that company and for that industry as a whole, as far as with artificial intelligence, companies now feeling like they need to invest in capital and equipment in order to take advantage of this technology. And so NVIDIA, I think, is a good poster child of the optimism that some people have about what growth could be in the future. Just want to finish up with one thing. As we get into the holiday season, people do feel better about things. And we saw that evidenced by the Michigan consumer sentiment. Yeah, initially it had fallen and now it popped back up a little bit. So, you know, people have been talking about how miserable people are feeling about the economy, yet they still are spending money. Maybe we're beginning to see that turn as far as with consumer sentiment and consumer confidence. Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management. Dave Spanos, our President and CEO. We got him for the rest of the show. If we can help for investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Where are you going to fit? We've got Annex Ignite. We've got Annex Comprehensive Wealth and Annex Private Client. It all starts at AnnexWealth.com. If part of your retirement plan involves moving, boy, do we have a great seminar for you. We're going to talk about it and share details when you can join us. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? We like when we can assist people to get to and enjoy the kind of retirement they desire. And this takes planning because there's many moving pieces and it's important to get it right. One of those decisions might involve moving in retirement. We've assembled two of our teammates to talk about this and preview two upcoming free presentations packed with great information and points to consider. Joining me, Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Hello. Hello, Danny. And we got Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development, CFP, and a CDFA at Annex. Welcome back. Hi. Deanne, we'll start with you. Retirement, as you know, is all about change. We hope most of it is good change, but anticipating change is part of what we do for our clients. And one of those changes might be to move. Yeah. So first off, you've got retirement, which is a 
unnerving transition and moving is one of the top stressors. But a lot of times this is what we hear from clients. Hey, I might want to right size, not necessarily down or up, but get to a new place that works for me and my family. And maybe it might be out of state chasing climate or going to a place where I can pursue my hobby. So brings about a lot of change potentially. So for me, retirement is still that image on the horizon. No, I got a plan, so it's not going to be a mirage, but I'm not sure I'm on the same page with my wife when it comes to potential downsizing and or relocation. Does this come up? Do people argue about whether or not they're going to move? I think they do all the time, Danny. And you know, my wife is from South America, so she and I have very interesting conversations just culturally, what people have in mind geographically. Those are all things that are going to come into consideration. I think it is important to start with if you have a spouse or someone who is your life partner, the two of you need to start talking about this stuff to start getting on the same page. And my partner and I both love the heat, but he loves the wet heat and I love the dry heat. Very different location potential. For those of whom who have homes in several locations, Dan, people really need to know the difference between a residence and a domicile. I don't know how many times I've heard the thing, well, if you're there for six months in a day. Oh. Is that true? <laughs> what what exactly? that simple, Danny. Yeah, right. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if it was? So first off, you can have many residents right? You can have a lot of houses, but you only have one kind of legal domicile. That is where you stake your main flag and say, this is the state and the county and the city where it's my permanent residence. So the six months in one day, it's only one factor. And unfortunately, I know we live in the United States of America, but all the states have different rules around declaring domicile. It's really important when you move to undomicile, especially if you're moving from a state like Wisconsin, where every state wants to claim you. They don't want to lose the revenue. And Deanne, you talk about domicile in terms of the state, the county. This is where we start looking at things like estate planning become really important because it gets down to that level of granularity that's going to impact all the different things that we're talking about. Definitely. There's also that financial aspect. And since we're financial planners, that's what we do. And we talk to them. You sell the family home in New Berlin. It's four bedrooms, two baths, but then you're going to somewhere wet and warm for you, exactly. right? So, so how are you going to do that? Right. And in the financial plan that we utilize in our e-money software, we do have a buffer for cost of living adjustment, but that cost of living really does need to be specific to where you're moving. And uh, Tom, you and I have done a lot of research on this, and it's interesting. Somebody might say, well, I'm going to move to Texas because there's no state tax. But we say, well, wait a minute, the cost of living adjustment from like Waukesha, Wisconsin, there's like a 30 span up or down depending upon where in Texas you go. So you really have to pay attention to the other things, the property taxes, the local taxes. We saw that in Florida as well. People are very sensitive to taxes and income tax in particular. So it seems as simple as saying, go to a place where there's no income tax, problem solved. It doesn't take a whole lot of digging to find out that it's a lot more complicated than that. Is aging in place part of the conversation? I mean, we're getting older. You, you, you need accommodations at some point. Oh, for sure. So a lot of times a couple will get to a certain point where they say, you know what, we need to make a move. And maybe it's right-sizing to a condo where we don't have the yard work, for example. But maybe it's an age-in-place community, which are very popular throughout the country. Of course, the villages in Florida comes to mind where, you know, people get to play all day long, right, and swim and, and whatever, or golf. But certainly this goes back to who you want to be in retirement, which is very important. And it's a, an important discussion to have with the person you travel with or a significant other. Who do you want to be? What activities do you want to pursue? 
we're putting together two incredibly informational and useful presentations. If moving in retirement is on your mind, signing up is a great idea. Let's talk about that schedule. So Danny, this is something very dynamic. Deanne and I have talked about this before, but it always changes as time comes through. We are doing two of these, Moving in Retirement Tuesday, December 5th. It's at 6 p.m. at our Elm Grove headquarters on 127th and Blue Mound. Then a third Thursday edition of our Women and Wealth Group on Thursday, December 21st at 6 p.m., just in time for the holidays. Yeah, we're having also, a party yes, that evening for our we're people We're going to make this attend. one a good time. What we a are. surprise. And, what you know, you? <laughs> I, I want to invite, you know, women sometimes will come to the group and say, this topic is really does involve my partner. Can I bring them? This one, yes. Absolutely. Bring your partner. We're going to have a little holiday cheer, so we'd love to see we you we got then. plenty of space at our Elm Grove headquarters. That one's also on 127th and Boomon. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Looking forward to it. Me too. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development, CFP, CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Saturday, November 25th. We are going to get caught up and head to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. We're going to cover healthcare savings accounts and why they're pretty darn awesome for those who can use them. And to do that, I'm joined by Kent Helene, an Associate Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Danny. Great to join you. There were more than 33 million HSAs holding nearly $100 billion in 2022. The key is you're eligible to have contributions made to an HSA when your medical insurance is a high deductible plan that is HSA eligible, because not all high deductible plans are HSA eligible. So you got to check with your insurer or your employer, make sure that yours qualify. Kent, what are the limits? How much can you pile into these bad? boys. Yes. Over the year 2023, the maximum amount for somebody with an individual medical plan is $3,850. And for a family plan where you are covered under your employer, the maximum amount to contribute is $7,750. That's a lot of money. That is. One thing to note is after 55, you have the $1,000 catch-up where you can contribute in addition to that 3850 or that 7750 And the other good thing is that's a way to reduce taxable income. That's totally a win-win. Yeah, it's an outstanding win-win to be able to put the money in tax-free, let it grow tax-free, and then also for qualified medical expenses, it can come out tax-free as well. Yeah, and it comes time to spend that HSA money. You got to pay attention to a couple of things. So when it's time to come and spend the money, at that point, you can either pay out of pocket for that cost and save those receipts, or you can pay directly from that HSA. The benefit of using the receipt strategy is you can keep that money invested in the HSA and at that point, let it grow and reimburse yourself tax-free later on down the road. One of the things that people love about these HSAs is they are triple tax advantage. Can you break that down? So for qualified medical expenses, and that's the key phrase there, qualified medical expenses, it's not tax-free for any expense. Luckily, there's quite the substantial list as far as pulling that money out tax-free comes out of your either paycheck tax-free from the employer or individual contributions are tax-free as well. It continues to grow in that account without taxes being incurred on that money. And then if you pull it out for those qualified medical expenses, it comes out tax-free. Is there an RMD? I mean, do you have to take these things out at a certain point in your life? There is no RMD. The benefit of the HSA is you can defer that pull out of the HSA when you're looking at the receipt strategy that we talked about before. One thing to be aware of is 
in order to maintain that extremely beneficial tax treatment, the beneficiary should be your spouse. And then after your spouse, there actually can be some additional planning and tax considerations that we want to look at. You, when you're considering getting into an HSA, if you qualify for it, you just need to know you're going to spend money on healthcare during your lifetime. I mean, when we first got involved with HSAs, we had kids. We had boys. We knew that they were going to be going through some money, right? (laughs) Very much so, yeah. There's going to be some broken bones or something there. But when you're looking at trying to either keep the money invested, and again, talking about that receipt strategy, uh, you can save the money in the HSA, keep it invested, but at the same time, you know you're going to have some medical expenses. Those that have saved extremely well into their HSAs, again, will want to look at the, the beneficiaries and the passing on to make sure you fully absorb that tax benefit, the triple tax benefit on the HSAs. Let's talk a little bit about the investing component of an HSA. You don't have to, but you can. Yeah, absolutely. Looking at the benefits of investing that HSA, it's an extremely underutilized benefit. Looking at a study from the Employee Benefit Research Institute, roughly 88% of HSA account holders weren't utilizing that benefit and they were holding it in cash. So looking at the potential growth over time, whether it's earning interest in something like bonds or investing in the market, that is a, a massive massive benefit that a lot of people are unfortunately missing out on. And when you retire, the good stuff happens because you can start spending that. Correct. To be able to reimburse yourself for all those medical expenses that come out throughout time, that's a a massive benefit of the HSA. This might be a tricky question, but which should you fund first, a 401k, an IRA, or an HSA? A tricky question, but at the same time, there's a a decent base answer. So depending on the the complexity and the, the individual circumstances of someone, my answer might change a little bit. But the benefit of the HSA and what an extremely powerful savings tool is shouldn't overshadow the fact that an employer 401k, if you have that match, you should at least contribute up to that employer match to take that benefit. Otherwise, you're missing out on a a benefit that's given to you based on your employment. So I would say contribute up to at least the minimum for the employer match. And then if you want to start funding your HSA, if you're eligible, that's the route I would go. For investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. Our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Kent Helene, Associate Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for your insight. Thank you, Danny. You are listening to Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. If we can help, our website is AnnexWealth.com. Just click that Get Started button. Quick break, and we're going to be back. This is 620 WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, is here. Hello, Tom. Hey, Danny. Wall Street Journal, well-respected newspaper, right? It's one of the few publications for which I have a subscription, so yes, I do think so. Actual journalists, extensive coverage of business and finance, right? All sorts of good stuff in there. Right. That's where I saw the headline, Roth versus traditional 401k, where to put your money for retirement. That got my attention and apparently yours as well. As soon as you asked me about this, I knew exactly what we were talking about. So yes, we were in tune on this one, Danny. Let's talk about that. The 401k is what you do here at Annex Wealth Management for companies we work with. It was built on a simple idea. You set aside money from each paycheck to save for tomorrow and get a tax break today. The article points out many workers now have other option, which is to save the tax break for tomorrow too. So we're talking about the Roth 401k. How does that work? So I'm going to real quick promote our YouTube channel because we have a great video where it talks about Roth versus pre-tax. But in essence, the answer to your question is how does Roth work? It is essentially the treatment of the contributions in terms of taxes. So traditional pre-tax 401k is you don't pay any taxes on it now, grows tax deferred, 
Come retirement time, you take it out, you pay taxes on it then. Roth is just the opposite. You do pay the taxes now, then the money goes in, grows tax deferred till retirement, at which point, assuming you've completed all the other rules, I'm not going to get into today, but at that point, you don't have to pay taxes. So it's either it's pay now instead of pay later, basically. When do you want to bite the bullet? Correct. <laughs> right. Roth accounts might not be the best choice for everybody, and deciding how much of your money should go into the Roth versus traditional its calculation, its current spending, future taxable income, life expectancy, and other factors, some of which are, quote, unknowable. <laughs> unknowable. That sounds complicated. A lot of them are unknowable, Danny. And so when you say that, you know, some of the things are unknowable, let's start with what is knowable. So what we do know is what we're paying in taxes today. And what we don't know is all the other stuff that you're talking about. So I think there are a couple of groups. There are people for whom Roth is just obviously the right answer. And then there are people for whom Roth is obviously not the right answer. And then it's that middle in-between group that we got to help figure out all these little details that you're talking about here. And that's why we, we meet with people one-on-one to kind of go through and ask a lot of questions and help them figure it out. Roth 401ks create opportunities for some to reduce lifetime tax bills and leave more money for retirement or heirs. Not a bad thing. It's a great thing. And it's just, again, a question of how you're structuring that in the context of your overall plan. Okay, let's get back to this. Not everybody should contribute to a Roth concept. How come? Well, there are people for whom the tax liability currently is going to outweigh the future tax liability. And the other thing is compound growth over time. The closer you are to retirement, the less value that compound tax-free growth has. So it's just a question of how close to retirement are you starting with the account? Are you already have an account that continues to grow? All of those things. And that's why people, you know, sometimes they're dissatisfied that I can't just give a quick answer. But we do need to understand all the variables to help figure it out. But there are definitely cases where it's just the timing or the amounts just don't make it make sense. Well, and this is what a financial plan does. And this is why we have teams that can help with this. You know, an old broken down warhorse like me, I got to ask those kind of questions. Right? We all do, Dan. Yeah, yeah. Tom Parks is Director of Retirement Plan Services with Annex Wealth Management. He and his team work with companies to help build and maintain solid retirement plans. And these are plans that attract and retain great employees. Roth or traditional 401k, how does one decide? Basically, you take a look and you try to get a feel for what do you think is going to happen in the future based on what you know today. Some of this is just personal, Danny. I like knowing. So I know what my tax rate is today. I love Roth because I'm paying it and I'm done and I don't need to think about it again. Now, is that a really great financial plan from a calculator and spreadsheet perspective? Maybe it's not, but personality factors into this. I do think you need to figure out some of the maths. You know, you do need to understand what are tax rates now, but then it gets into what do I think tax rates are going to be in the future? I personally think they're probably not going to be the same because they usually change. So then the question is, all right, are they going to be higher? Are they going to be lower? I personally think it's more likely they'll be higher than it is lower. Then the question is how much higher versus what they are. All this, you know, these are all the things that we talk about with people. And then you start putting people's specific information in. That's where you start to get a clearer picture. Can you split contributions? Can some go to the Roth? Can some go to a regular 401k? Yes, you can do that. That is one thing I don't understand, honestly, why people would do that. It seems like you should either do Roth or you should do pre-tax, but I could be wrong about that. And again, that's why we have the financial planning department. And Danny, I will say I've had some spirited discussions with the folks on our financial planning department, which is another thing I love about being here is we've got people who have a lot of really good insight and we don't always have the same opinion, but you know, we, we hammer it out and figure out what's going to be the right, right answer for clients here. 
oh, I think if we were all in lockstep, it probably would not work. Really no, that well. would not be helpful. Right. We figure it out, ladies and gentlemen. Tom Parks is Director of Retirement Plan Services at Annex Wealth Management. We can help your company. You can find Tom on LinkedIn or via AnnexWealth.com. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. Saturday, November 25th, if you're driving through, catching the show for the first time, we're glad you caught us. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're going to be right back on 620 WTMJ. We are back. If you came in late, this show is going to be available as a podcast at the top of the hour, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Danny Clayton. Dr. Brian Jacobson, our chief economist, is here. Dave Spano is our president and CEO. I'm looking at you guys. Neither one of you have black eyes. So it looks like you did not have any fistfights during mm. dinner, the Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> and sometimes that can be a spot where there's lots of conversations. Sometimes it converge over into money. Yeah, and you'd think about it. You know, it could be as simple as how's mom doing and, you know, what's the next step, mm-hmm. all the way to how's junior doing and, and what college is he going to go to but those are financial planning questions and that is something that we heard leading up to the holiday is how do I handle it what do you think I should ask and there's ways to handle that there really are and it can obviously be a little awkward to start talking about money and talking about people's mental health mm-hmm. physical health things like that and uh, what I have heard from a lot of our clients who, uh, especially on the private client side of things, they actually have almost like a script that they use. It's a mental script for these conversations when they have everybody come over. So usually it's the mom and dad, grandma and grandpa. They're the ones who are hosting. And they just make a point of it to say, we are going to discuss the trust. We are going to discuss the will. Things I want to make sure everybody is on the same page. And so, uh, you know, sometimes the kids don't want to bring it up right but I but it's fu- better that you have these conversations yes. than you don't not only for mom and dad but for the kids to understand as well and we have prepared those questions in the past these are the things that you should bring up but you bring up the word trust and people go well what does that look like and it can be everywhere from a revocable trust mm-hmm. which is some simple planning to irrevocable trust and assets that are in there. Yes. You know, one of the things that I uh, actually heard uh, around my dinner table was the discussion around... I heard past the stuffing. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. there was a lot of past the stuffing, and Brian, is you really need that much Cool Whip on your <laughs> pumpkin pie? That uh, came up a few times as well, especially uh, after my second and third piece there. But it's about, you know, hey, I have been talking to my my wealth manager, I've been talking to my financial advisor, and they had this idea, they had this insight, and I wanted to share it with you all, right? So it was almost like a good way to broach it is I was having a discussion, got this little bit of insight, and now that can really serve as almost the door opener to those deeper conversations that are really important. About and, and the middle brother said, you know, mind your own business, I'm sure. But <laughs> yes. no, but you know, it really talks about, you know, you, it can go all the way, not only how mom's doing or what we, we're going to do when we're not around, but for example, what's Junior going to do and yeah. where is he going to go to school and what's that going to cost? These are all part of the planning process. Yeah, you know, I, I feel very blessed because my parents are incredibly generous. And one of the things that they have been making a point of it to do is to save for the grandkids college Mm. you know there's this great tool called a 529 plan and it is a wonderful way to be able to set that money aside and just appreciate how it can grow over time through your contributions and through wise investing and diversification to help offset the costs of college now uh, when I went to college I'm very grateful I had a scholarship but my dad actually cut out this little banner um, it was a quote from remember the green sheets oh, sure, uh, of course. and uh, it said working your way through college is great preparation for working your way through life yeah, that's and awesome. uh, I I took that to heart. (laughs) 
And you should. And of course, the last thing I want to talk about is the fact that we do estate planning. And 529 planning is part of estate planning, by the way. But we do estate planning with all of our clients. And we say, how are things titled? Where are they going to go? What should we do? We have estate planning lawyers on staff. And that is a difference that, folks, when you're talking to your financial advisor, do they have estate planning lawyers and Mm -hmm. estate planners on staff? Do they have tax planners on staff? And that is a difference. It really is. And they do need to coordinate things. I mean, just think about, here's the context, right? It is 2023, but we know January 1st, 2026, there are a lot of changes that could happen with the tax code, especially as it relates to estate planning. And so what is it that you can do today, basically to use it so you don't lose it in terms of estate tax exemptions? You need to coordinate all of this now not just from the planning perspective, but also from the tax perspective and the investing side of things as well. And just the last piece about the tax planning piece is there is a difference between tax compliance. You know, you might hear this and go, I got a guy mm-hmm. who's doing my taxes, but that's not tax planning. That's tax compliance. That's making sure you don't go to the hooskow for not filing your tax returns. There's the difference between tax planning and things that I should be doing now at the end of the year. For example, should I be offsetting gains and losses? Should I be funding 401 plans or SEP plans or even Roth conversions, that's tax planning. Yeah. And one of the things that we've been doing a lot on the investment team is trying to take care of that for clients. I mean, that's one of the reasons why people work with us is they don't want to have to worry about it. It is complex and it's something that we really, that's what we do. We specialize in it and we enjoy it as well. We've been doing a lot of the tax loss harvesting. A lot of people don't appreciate, I think, with bonds, the extent to which you've been able to do some tax loss harvesting there because nobody ever really was accustomed to doing that. But now you can. Good. Thanks, Brian. Dave, I'm a big fan of a couple of genuinely American holidays. Number one is Fourth of July. Mm -hmm. We live in a fantastic country. Mm -hmm. The other is Thanksgiving because it's gratitude. It's Thanksgiving. But what we talk about on this show really is about planning. It needs to go hand in hand with being grateful for what you work for, Thanksgiving for what you produced, but then planning for the future. We are on the edge of December. We need to work together, put a plan in place for 2024 and beyond. This is the time, folks. AnnexWealth.com is the place. We're ready as a fee-only fiduciary partner. Underline that word partner. Let's start the conversation. All you got to do is click that Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. We'll be back here next Saturday at 10 o'clock. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 620 WTMJ.